0: The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Title IX Podcast and the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. The entire Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is fueled by Cody Road and made possible thanks to our friends at the Wild Co- Rose Casino and Resort, Alisa. Hey, it's episode 99. I know. We're I can't so, believe it.
1: So close to 100. I a just honey. saw it in the corner just now. I was like, episode Epi 99. Episode 99. And so I just close. sent you a message in the chat, but I feel like this is the perfect time to say that we do have a special Title IX shirt for sale in the Cyclone Fanatic. What is it called? Store.
0: Online store. Yeah. And it has maybe me and Elisa's favorite thing ever generated yes. from our podcast, which is a review about the chicks pod. That's us yeah. the chicks pod. Um, if you haven't ordered yet, there's still time. We've seen lots of friends and family order those shirts for us. And we would love to see you out and about
1: wearing those um, Title Nine shirts as well. I just so, yeah. realized today that I hadn't ordered mine yet. Do it to it, Lars. No. I was like, okay, I better do this before our next uh, podcast. Mine is currently lost in the mail.
0: Oh, no. I'm serious. It's lost. Oh, no. I have like three, three packages right now that haven't arrived that one was Ugh. supposed to go to my mom for Mother's Day. It's gone. Another one with our Title Nine shirts, gone. And the That's last crazy. one with a shirt
1: for a graduation party I'm going to this weekend, gone. Oh I don't know what's God. happening. That's crazy. I have so many crazy. things that I need to buy. Like I'm like, okay, I need to order this. I need to order this. I, we got back Malcolm's t-ball pictures. Yeah, they're hilarious. I'll send them you. I'll send you the. Um, you
0: need to order those. Is that yeah, why? Yeah, I have it to order head?
1: those. And then Rose's dance pictures. I still need to order those. People want checks. That's the problem. Yeah, a check. I know. I feel in you. this economy. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have jacks. I'm sorry. Everyone
0: makes fun of me because I carry checks in my purse and I'm always the one that
1: they ask for check. I'm like,
0: oh, I have one of those
1: just for that moment (laughs) that happens once every three years. I don't carry checks and I also don't pay for my groceries in nickels at the grocery store in this economy. That was great. Thank you.
0: It is that time of year where it feels like everything is completely chaotic and out of control (laughs) and I've lost track of what I've bought and purchased and haven't. And I'm pretty sure I've paid for my kids' school supplies. for next year like three times already oh no at least they're ready at least they're good to go
1: well the shirt's for me so i need to i need to do a little a little something for me a little self care a little something something <laughs>
0: Um, We have a special treat for you. Of course, our podcast has been sponsored um, almost since its inception by the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State. And at the end of this podcast, we get to have a conversation with Dean David Spaulding, um, who is an incredibly kind and brilliant man. So we hope you stick around to to listen to that conversation. We'll get the dirt on the Ivy College of Business from Dean Spaulding. (laughs) Uh, all right, Elisa, I think to lead off the podcast, there's only one thing we could talk about and that's that we're a tennis school now.
1: <laughs> I thought it was going to be West Virginia baseball, but yep, go ahead. <laughs> that comes. That's the second story of the day. Might be the third after <laughs> ISU softball, but we still love them. But yeah, we are, freaking, we, are we are a tennis. We are. We are a tennis school. school. Are we also like, I mean, we always have been, but like track and field. yeah we're all
0: the like the what people throw into the other sports we're
1: in other sports school right now does this okay this may be a stretch but stay with me tertiary blue (laughs) tertiary sports (laughs) you know how much i love that blue i do i do well that explains why i love those um uh Explains why I love those sports.
0: Uh, so, okay, let's give people a little breakdown of the the tennis news. What makes us a tennis school? If you've been listening to the last few episodes, you've been keeping track with us. But over the weekend, number 12 Iowa State punched its ticket to the national quarterfinals with the 4-1 to victory over number 20 UCLA. That was Friday afternoon. Um, it's the first quarterfinal appearance in program history, and that was also the win over UCLA was the 12th win of the season over a top 50 opponent. We're seven and zero at home. I mean like I could just keep throwing stats at you to explain to you how good this team is. We're very good. It, we're very good. So we play <laughs> our tennis team plays number four NC state on Wednesday in Orlando. And I think technically the way this works, we're in the, Elite Eight, if we're going to use basketball terms now, and then that would put us, if we can beat NC State, it would put us in the Final Four. I love it. Oh, yeah, it's pretty wild. But if you haven't read it yet, Connor Ferguson wrote a great feature on Cyclone Fanatic about how Boomer Sia and the women's tennis team has become one of the best stories in Iowa State history. Just this crazy trajectory from being a really bad program, really, really, really bad program, to one of the best in the country. So go check that out and um, keep your eyes open for the tennis team on
1: Wednesday playing in Orlando. Tennis school. Tennis school. I feel like you and I should go play tennis just to see how our skills, see how our skills are. They're probably not as that? good as the Cyclones. I'm in.
0: I mean, just for the fun of it. I'm in. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it last time. If my pickleball carry
1: over, then I'm, you're in big trouble, sister. I, have, I I just have good hand-eye coordination. That's it. We'll see.
0: Uh, okay, so one from one tertiary sport to another, <laughs> we then move to Iowa State softball. So unlike uh, tennis, who is advancing into the postseason, Iowa State softball did not get selected for the um, – the World's College World Series tournament or the road leading up to it. But I think we have to celebrate what was a very strong finish to the season. Um, they beat number 15, Baylor, in the first round of the Big 12 tournament over the weekend. And then um, they were kicked out of the tournament and didn't get selected. But in their last 18 kicked games... Kicked out? So, I mean, they lost. They were they were beaten out of the tournament. Okay, okay. They weren't, like, disqualified. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, but in their last 18 games of the season, I think they finished 13 and five. So yeah. they had this amazing run to end the season that coincided with the amazing run on social media that I think we're all chronicling now.
1: Yeah. With a really tough season too. Yes. The big
0: 12 softball tournament is a grind. And yeah. I think we have the uphill climb of the grind being in Ames. It's just a tough play to play, yeah. tough place to play spring softball. Yep. Yep but I've really felt like they hit some momentum and found some momentum to the end of the season after what was a rough start to begin it. And I just, um, you know, we always hear about the softball team, the players mentioning how they want to leave the program in a better place that they found it and kudos to the seniors this year, especially our girl Leah for doing that (laughs) because she found a way to shed a really positive light on the program um, in that partnership with West Virginia baseball. So kudos to her. Definitely. Um, we had the We Will Leadership Summit last week. Um, and Coach Fenley, Coach Campbell, and Coach Ott, Ott spoke at it. But I actually had a woman come up to me and say, thank you for covering the softball team. It doesn't get enough coverage. And it just reminded me, Lisa, that we try really hard to cover these tertiary sports (laughs) as we've coined them today. Um, But we do like hearing that kind of stuff. So if you've enjoyed the softball coverage, the tennis coverage, um, you know, message us and let us know so that we know you're enjoying
1: it Um, and we know that you are wanting more of it. Definitely. And I also saw this come across, um, and I was kind of keeping an eye on this because, um, Kaylee Logue got the, the 5k big 12 crown. And then I want to say she got another one too. Shoot. I should have looked this up. So she won two different big 12 events this weekend. She is a, as a, somebody to watch out for. I can almost guarantee she's going to do something, you know past college she's gonna keep running after this and do some really amazing things so she won the 5k big 12 crown got a facility record is this or is this for real how long does it take to run a 5k because it's not 15 minutes what do you read what are you this is a tweet 155460 Are you talking about track and field?
0: Yeah. You totally changed gears on me. I was talking about softball. I thought you were talking about one of our softball players getting 5000 no. strikeouts. No, no. I just I moved on to the next. You need to tell me these things. I can't read your damn mind. I'm guys.
1: I feel like it was a very smooth transition. However, I will admit Steph is the queen of the transition. <laughs> So maybe I need you, to take. You
0: some You didn't even lessons. say the words track and field. You just jumped it. I didn't even hear the name you said. You just jumped to five k, and I thought you meant. Okay, K's well, it
1: definitely there. did say a name. So. I
0: know you did say a name. I just didn't. It didn't register because you. Okay, she make-
1: got the five k and the ten k titles. Can How you, fast? Fifteen minutes. Is that? A- can you say? Can you say it in that, that tone again? Fifteen minutes.
0: <laughs> is that a? Is that a human? number i mean that means she's running less than so so a 5k is a little over three miles so she's running five minute miles
1: that could be is that do people do that people do that elisa that is incredible that's an incredible quip i'll tell you that's about how long it would take me to run one mile hey man or women.
0: To that's shuffle. fine. That's how long it
1: takes me to shuffle.
0: You know what? If you're up and shuffling, who cares how long it takes you? Unless you're competing for a big 12 championship and then you better get your ass in gear.
1: Mm. She's a lot faster than me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> she might be faster than you, babe. Sorry. <laughs> She's to tell for you. sure
0: faster than me. Sorry to tell you, know what? you She's that. She's faster than almost all of our listeners too.
1: <laughs> that's probably true. If you're faster than her... Send us a message on Twitter. Time yourself. Show us. Yeah. Prove it. <laughs> how is that possible? I'm still like, I am I was looking through the track and field and I'm doing it again right now. I'm getting totally distracted. But the track and field Twitter, just looking at some of these numbers and like, just being totally blown away. God, how do people run so fast and throw things so far and jump so high?
0: And then I always think about how much wear and tear your body goes through. And, you know, yeah. if you're a runner and, but they don't feel that, I mean, they're in, they're in such good shape and well, strength they're and also conditioning. like 20. Uh, well, still though, imagine <laughs> the miles they're putting in,
1: but you had a good point there, strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. like the athletic trainers that they have. We have an incredible athletic training program at Iowa state. And I don't just say that because I took some of those classes, <laughs> but uh, we have incredible athletic trainers there.
0: So so to put a cap on what Elisa said when she transitioned without me realizing what was happening, <laughs> the, we- <laughs> the women finished third, the men finished fifth in the outdoor um, Big 12 Championships. And I think that was the highest finish ever for the women. So yeah. Heck yeah. Um, looks like three event titles, 38 individual podium finishes and two school records to end the big 12 championships.
1: No big deal. I am kind of sad that it's over because I've just been like kind of consumed with these numbers too. I don't know. I've just been reflecting. I've been reflecting. And I think also it's because, so I used to work at lead and they did like the indoor track stuff at lead. And I was so blown away, but I just think that we have a, we have a special, track and field and we, yeah. know we have a really good cross country too so yeah
0: we've I mean it seems like we have been in the upper echelon of the big 12 forever in track and field so it's cool to see um to see it keep going and can I mention one more thing you said about yeah. Kaylee um so she took you were right she took the the 5k crown so that makes her a 13 time big 12 champion Yeah,
1: thirteen titles. So count that
0: on your fingers. Do you know
1: how that breaks down? Is it like four indoor, four outdoor? Like how does that even? That's only eight. How many did she do her COVID year? That's ten.
0: Yeah, we'd have to break that down more.
1: We'll have to break that down. Indoor, basically, she has a lot. Yeah, more than you. (laughs)
0: Thirteen more than me, in fact. More than me. So that means track and field is done, softball is done, we have tennis to keep us going, and gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Does not gym, no gymnastics we just have our new our new head coach.
1: Yeah. When they are they just finished up their season, yep, didn't they? they? Sure yeah. did. Yep.
0: Um, but with
1: I mean golf? I would say Yeah. This is I'm a like, weird time of year. Summer, yeah, what are the summer things? I like golf. The girls, my girls just got golf clubs. So watch out. Are you a golfer? Mm, No. Are you? I enjoy golf. Are you enough of a golfer to teach me how?
0: Yeah. I can't promise it'd be good teaching, but it would be enough. So you understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Okay. So we'll play tennis and golf. Got it. Okay. Sounds great. Can we just Um, spend the
1: whole summer together? Okay. Thanks. Let's do it.
0: Welcome. Um, speaking of softball, by the way, we didn't I meant to mention this um in that conversation. But oh, before you were so yep, rudely interrupted. Before I was rudely interrupted.
1: <laughs> by the only thing I've been thinking of for the past two
0: days. <laughs> the road to the college world series opens up this weekend with regionals. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be a good moment for us to do a little reminder of how the tournament works because it's tournaments work. Because mm-hmm. they are not straightforward at all. Okay. So we start with <laughs> we start with regional tournaments at yes. 16 different sites. It's a double elimination tournament. It's scheduled for May 19th through 20 through the 21st. So that's this weekend. The 16 winners of those tournaments advance to super regionals and they play a two-team best out of three series either the 25th to 27th or 26th to 28th. So that's super regionals. Mm -hmm. The eight winners from there earn spots in the college world series, which begins in June on June 1st. And that again is a double elimination format. And the final two teams from the college world series play in a best of three series for the national championship. And that begins on June 7th. So between Friday and June 7th, we could literally have more than a hundred games of
1: softball, just waiting for us to watch. You know what I just realized? Oh boy. Our ESPN hasn't been working. And I was like, Oh, it'll be fine.
0: Oh, sister. It won't be not fine. fine. No, because if you remember last year when we talked about the college world, series, the softball college world series, it was a bananas, just a wild tournament. B It was insanely well attended and Mm -hmm. see, it was insanely well watched. So we need you Lisa to get your eyeballs on that TV. So get your ESPN and ESPN plus working.
1: Okay. Our ESPN plus works. It's just the regular, maybe all their games will be on ESPN. I'm guessing a lot of them will be okay. Yeah. I'm okay then. Yeah.
0: So Iowa state softball is not in the tournament, but those games are wildly entertaining. Um, Make sure you check some out if you haven't yet already. Okay, I don't have a good transition for this, but maybe you do, Elisa, because you're now the queen of transitions. But I want to thank just jump into it without our friend Hopewood. (laughs) Oh yeah, hopewoodjd.com.
1: No, I think that the transition I would have made was just in case you die. (laughs) I've done that one before. (laughs) Just
0: in case you get hit in the head with the softball as you attend (laughs) the college world series.
1: You did it. No, you went very specific with it. I kept it broad. Like there was, I was at a die? baseball
0: game in high school uh, and did, I got hit with a foul ball in the ankle. Okay. It didn't die, but I, it, the bruise was so bad that I had to go to physical therapy and they had to like help me drain it with like a little oh, ultrasound yeah. machine.
1: Oh no.
0: Yeah. But you know what okay. would have been good in that moment? Um, well, will, just in case things went wrong with the ultrasound machine.
1: I'm sorry, Hope.
0: Sorry, Hope. Hope was at the We Will event last week and she was with her family and she probably looked at me and thought, why do I still pay for these two to read my... (laughs) Uh, Okay, seriously, HopeWoodJD.com. She has a Will in a Day program. I've done it. It is super fast, super efficient, and Hope is incredibly kind, Um, smart, funny, lovely, all the things that we love. And she's a cyclone. So check her out, HopeWoodJD.com. Use the code FANATIC for $50
1: off. I was reading this thing yesterday, (laughs) literally, and it's said you never know who's like whether your wishes are going to be carried out if you die so what is happening today i'm a little uh i'm a little flighty today you think for some for some reason i don't know what it is i'll tell you what it is i've eaten about 45 cream cheese mints I'm trying to make them <gasps> for a graduation party, I know, and I—I know, They're like one of my favorite things. And I had to make 360 of them, and I've probably made 400 and eaten 40. Does your stomach hurt? It's so bad,
0: yes. Oh my gosh, my teeth. Okay, I feel you know, horrible. You know something is good when you take a bite, yeah. and your teeth single. Oh That's what happens gosh. to me with those. I bet
1: your teeth are falling out. Oh my gosh! And I've I see your teeth. teeth. Do you still have them? <laughs> I've brushed my teeth multiple times today.
0: Okay, can we just, this needs to be, listeners, you need to come and tell us after you see us post this episode on Twitter, we need to know the answer. Are cream cheese mints the best treat at a graduation
1: party? Yes or yes? Are you disappointed when they're almond and not mint? That's a thing? Yeah. I'm doing half almond, (sighs) half mint, but the mint I'm also putting a little bit of almond in because it's really good that way. You can't do all mint. I think you need a little bit of mint and a little bit of almond, but I think I'm disappointed when it's just almond.
0: I think I am too, because I don't even know what that tastes like and I'm offended by the thought of it. Yeah.
1: I'm doing half and half for them. Will you save me a few? Yeah. Okay. I have a whole, I have a patty. I have a patty and like a burger patty of them (laughs) that hasn't been shaped yet. I'll shape it. I have some random, oh, this is going off the rails. I have, We're off the rails already, I got, sister. I got some random um, molds yesterday from my grandma. And one of them is a, a circus peanut. I love circus peanuts. I know. So I'm like, can I make my own circus peanuts? <gasps> I will buy that. I know. Wouldn't that be fun? I also got um, gummy bear molds. I bought those ones, but- That's amazing. I'm not going to say this is state fair prep, but this might be state fair prep.
0: That's what sport we miss for the summer is state fair baking prep. State fair.
1: Yes. It's true. It's begun. I can't officially start until July 1, but the wheels are turning. Okay. All right. This is great. I really like where this went. This podcast is off the rails. We're gonna
0: take a break, and then we have some news from the National Soccer uh, Women's Soccer League and the WNBA
2: to share with you. So we'll be right back.
0: Okay, Lisa. Couple minutes. Right
1: now. Lisa, Hi. are you I'm, there? I'm here. She was saying goodbye to her husband. Hello, Lisa. It's me, Margaret. Is that how that goes? Something like that.
0: (laughs) All right. We talked last week, last episode, about how crazy it is that there's these teenagers playing in the National Women's Soccer League. And we kind of went back and forth about whether it's a good thing, a bad thing, or honestly, probably a little bit of both. I think that's Mm -hmm. where we landed. Yeah. But I started thinking after that episode about all of the quote unquote normal um teenager things that these ladies are missing out on. Mm. And, you know, it's it's things like just going to regular school, playing high school soccer, playing club soccer. But then there's bigger things like prom. Um, it's prom season right now. And over the weekend, Alyssa Thompson one of the angel city players missed out on her senior prom. So to make up for it, her teammates dressed up in prom attire as they aro- arrived pregame. And I just thought Aww. it was the cutest thing. And it was so funny that that was in the front of our minds. And it was like the older ladies on the team decided they were going to mom it up for Alyssa Thompson. And I'm just happy that she got that opportunity, even if it's not the same opportunity that, you know, she would get if she were a normal teen. Yeah. Yeah. It's unique. It's unique, but she's also living a very (laughs) unique life, so
1: good for Yeah, no freaking kidding.
0: (sighs) There was another attendance record broken in the National Women's Soccer League over the weekend, this time for the Kansas City Current. It's the second time they've already broken their attendance record this season. More than 12,000 people were in Kansas City for the Mother's Day game. Um, However, they lost, but I will be going to the current game next Friday and then the Saturday after that. So, Lisa, I am bringing... My fire and spirit and good luck, and they're going to turn this around.
1: I love it. I love been... your fire.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I got so fired up that I cut you off. <laughs> um, if you've if you follow their social media feed or mine, you've probably seen their renderings for their new stadium. Um, we've talked about it a ton. It's the first dedicated soccer stadium for women's soccer. Um, and I got so pumped about it that I put a deposit down for season tickets next year. I don't know if I'll actually go through with buying them, but I was like, Oh my gosh, this is all I've been ever waiting for. And I got all oh emotional gosh, and I told my girls so and they looked at me like, you need to chill out, but it's just <laughs> this know, momentum, know. you know, like yeah. this momentum and it's his actual Um, tangible thing to be a part of it that you and I haven't really had the chance to experience yet in our lives with women's sports. So it's just, it's neat to have that opportunity. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, and in a slightly more than 12,000 person crowd, Chelsea <laughs> won. did you see this Won the women's yeah, FA cup yeah. against Manchester United in front of 77,000 fans. Well, it was like the largest, I don't know, largest something. I it saw. was the largest record. It was the largest crowd for a domestic women's match. So yes. that particular tournament is the, uh, for all the English clubs, the women's clubs. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a lot of people. That's crazy. Do you want to keep going with these awesome attendance things? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so not National Women's Soccer League anymore, transitioning to the WNBA. If you remember that episode we did with Bridget Carlton a few years ago on the pod, she talked about how proud she was to play on the Canadian national team and how badly she hoped that the WNBA would get a team in Canada at some point. And we got a preview of what that might look like over the weekend. There was a preseason game in Toronto between the Chicago Sky and Bridget's team, the Minnesota Lynx, and the crowd was unreal. Tickets went on sale for the game back in March, and I think there were about 20,000 seats available. It sold out, and not only did it sell out, but that crowd was fired up. Um, M- WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbrecht told reporters that she didn't even know if Taylor Swift could pull the crowd that they did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's
0: amazing. I was like, well, you know, yeah, but fair okay. point. But <laughs> well, she did call it a seminal moment for the
1: sport. I did also see that, like, all their merch also sold out.
0: Oh my gosh. If you haven't seen pictures yet on social media, go. There is like this sea of orange of that, you know, that very, um, identifiable WNBA
1: orange. It's all over the whole crowd. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I was, I was kind of zooming in and wondering like, Oh, are these seats actual full? So there's kind of an area, um, right at mid court where there's some empty seats and stuff. And I was thinking about how at the event center, that's like our club seat area Mm -hmm. and they like have the, it's like businesses and stuff like that have the ability to buy those tickets. And then, you know, sometimes they don't fill them. Sometimes they buy those tickets and then bring those people up to their suites. Mm -hmm. So that's all, but I would like to think that they were all just off buying merch During that, that could be sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, that could be. I don't know. I mean, the seats were sold. Yes, it was. Those people were who knows? (laughs) They were in the merch (laughs) lines. Yeah, (laughs) um, that was the first WNBA game ever to be played in Canada. It's only the third game, um, third preseason game played outside the US, the first in Monterey, Mexico in 2004, and the second in Manchester, England in 2011. But I think the really interesting thing, Elisa about this particular preseason game in Canada. Is that the WNBA is working to select the location and ownership of their next expansion teams. Hmm. And the Athletic has previously reported that Toronto is one of those potential expansion cities. And I just it felt like Canada got the assignment. Yeah. You know, they yeah. understood the assignment and they showed out. Yeah. But I was reading about stats in Canada. Uh, according to NBA Canada, the average average regular season viewership of WNBA games there has increased by more than ninety five percent over the past three years. And their WNBA social media channels set a record for engagement in two thousand and twenty two. Um, I mean, the sport is honestly just blowing up in Canada and that also comes at a time when the Canadian national team, Canadian women's basketball is very, is participating in, you know, worldwide international competition at a very high level. They're ranked number five in the world. So I would be shocked at this point if, if Toronto isn't one of those cities selected, but I will say the the WNBA has kind of paused and gone backwards with how they've initially they were very, you know, gung ho about expansion and they've slowed down a bit. Um, so I'd be shocked
1: if they didn't go to Toronto, but with the WNBA, who knows? Yeah. And I was thinking about how the ties that Iowa state has to Canada. So you talked about Bridget and then like Lindell Wigington mm-hmm. as long, obviously Melvin Edgem and Shayok were all yeah. from Canada. Yeah. So in the, in the recent past, yeah. In our recent history, whatever we have, a lot of basketball players are coming from Canada. And I I don't think that it's just our team that's getting these basketball players sure. from Canada. I think it's been one of those sports that's been building in Canada for a while.
0: It's interesting um, that Bridget was the lone Canadian on either roster. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I just thought it, that was very it strange. Is. It is. But it, it, I'm just really proud of the showing um, up in Canada, and it's it was one of those moments where I like where I thought to myself, you know, the WNBA is okay, yeah. and I know we often get a lot. Of feedback that, well, the WNBA consistently loses money and I get it. I do get it, but there is right. interest there. It's just finding the right spots to capitalize on that interest.
1: And I think that in general, so the WNBA is working on some of their broadcasting rights mm-hmm. right now, and they're looking at the popularity right now, but they're also looking at the popularity in the next five to forecasting. Of yeah. It. Yes. And I mean, we don't have to beat a dead horse around here. Everyone who's listening knows that like the future of the WNBA is in college basketball right now. And it's looking pretty freaking bright. So let's talk about that because
0: we have seen, so we just had the WNBA draft and Thursday is the roster deadline. So most teams are waving people this week. If they haven't already, they have a couple of days to do so. Uh, Monica Sanano was just waived last night. And the 11th overall pick in the 2023 draft happened to go to the Dallas Wings, who is also the home of our Ashley Jones. So the 11th overall pick is Abby Myers. She was cut by the Dallas Wings on Monday. And it's just one of those reminders that you've got Abby Myers uh, Monica Sanano, two solid, solid, solid players who get cut and don't make a WNBA roster. And I just am constantly like, is it? I mean, it's next to impossible to make a WNBA roster. Yeah,
1: it's true. And I mean, that's the reason why they want these women to get their degrees in college Mm -hmm. is because such a small amount. You think it's difficult to make the NBA. It's more difficult to make the WNBA. And that's why, you know, they want these girls to get their, these women to get their degrees. We've talked about, I mean, this is also why NIL is,
0: Yeah. And it's why NIL becomes so significant for female basketball players, because that could be with with the exception of going overseas, which a lot of players have to do. That could be it. That could be your paycheck in college. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, I get it. I understand why it's so difficult. There's literally only a few spots to fill. That's just the truth of it, but it also stinks because you have these college players who are well-known names, who are fan favorites, who aren't sticking on the rosters. And Ashley Jones is still there.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The Ross, the Dallas wings roster sits at 14. As we record this Tuesday over lunch. Um, That means two more have to be cut by Thursday. And I really hope she's not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. All you can do is cross your fingers. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting too, to see who sticks and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Bridget Carlton ha- is a veteran at this point. She's stuck. Um, I don't, but it's hard to even know. I mean, it's, it's more about luck and f- fitting at the right place than it necessarily is about your skill. Yeah. And you just have to have the skill set that, uh, that a particular team needs. Otherwise, even if you are incredibly talented,
1: you just don't stick the WNBA yeah. and it's, it's crazy. Well, you mentioned NIL and in the last couple of weeks, um, some numbers have come out saying what, um, what women college players athletes are making. And a lot of those higher numbers are, I mean, I don't mean to say that I told you so, but, but, they're, you did. but they're women on social media with massive followings. I mean, it's women with like 7 million TikTok followers. And then we have people saying, well, they're not doing it the right way. Like, I'm sorry that you made all of these rules about NIL and you fought for NIL and, one, and you said, well, I don't think, I think it'll be unfair for the women. And then the fi- women found a way to make it work found for their niche. them. Right. They found a way to make it work for them that I just so happened to forecast. And now you're saying they're doing it wrong. They're not doing it wrong. They're they're doing it their yeah, way. Yeah. They're doing it in an aesthetic way that that's the way that like women make money on social media by being influencers by, and it, honestly, like, if you say, oh, like it's because the way they look, most of the people on social media, most of their following are women. They are not doing it for the male gaze. I know men, you think that they are there for you. They're not doing it for you. Like we as women have collaboratively gotten together and decided that like we enjoy some of us, most of us, a good chunk of us enjoy fashion and we enjoy like, treating ourselves well and, and we, fitness and, uh, and, and fitness yeah. pretty things i mean truthfully yeah honestly like w- you know what we freaking love 40 dollars stanley cups <laughs> like, we, <laughs> we've just decided there are things that we love you know what i mean just like quote unquote men have decided they love hunting and fishing and, and beer y'all. and it's and it's not It's not the fact that all men like this. And it's not the fact that all women like this. And it's not the fact that there's not crossover. It's the fact that it's that we belittle those things that women as a whole have just have decided that we enjoy. And there's nothing to be belittled, belittled there. We enjoy it and get over it.
0: And if that's what makes, if that's, what's driving the NIL money, yeah, right. I don't understand why people are so weirded out by it. Right. And there's a weird um, I'm just going to say it. People in Iowa, the state of Iowa, don't understand why Caitlin Clark is not higher on those NIL lists. And it's because she doesn't have a she has a significant social media presence from other people. Mm-hmm. Her half court shots, her logo three pointers go viral. Right. But that's other people circulating. She herself does not have a intentional social media presence. And I am not criticizing her. If that's the path that she wants to go down good for her because social media can be a disgusting, awful place. And I, that is great, but it's not because there's something wrong with the NIL money. It's because she has just not chosen to go that path. She has great deals with Hy-Vee, great deals with Nike period. I mean, why, does, why can't that just be the discussion? Right. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just the way it is. That's why she doesn't have the, it's why she's not on the cover of Sports Illustrated like Angel Reese. She's not put herself out there like that. And that's just the end of it.
1: And I think that people say, oh, well, like if you add up all of the deals that she has, it can't be less than a million. And they're reporting that it's less than a million. If she's making less than a million, then you know somebody's doing her dirty and this and that. And I understand that, that those numbers may be skewed, but I would like to make the point that Caitlin is an outlier in the fact that she is higher on that list than the numbers stepping away from it. All of these things... Are the same. What is the one thing that doesn't quote unquote, doesn't belong there. Unfortunately, it's Caitlin Clark, because she doesn't have those high numbers on social media. Exactly. So What Caitlin Clark has done by being so high on that list is showing you what women's sports can do without social media. Alisa, great point. And so, seriously, great point. She's the outlier here. She's she almost needs to be taken off of that list (laughs) because she's the outlier. She's so high because of what she is doing in just the sport and just the influence that comes with the sport, not the influence that comes with because it's a lot of extra work to be an influencer on social media. She hasn't done all of that extra. She is focused mainly on her sport and furthering the sport of women. And so she's, she's just, it's different. It's a different thing, but it's showing you how high that number can be for somebody who is great.
0: Yeah. That's an amazing point. And it just goes to show you that a there's value in the sport itself, period, no other outside influence. Yes. And B there's value with the outside influence and trying to go the path of the social media route. Both 100%. are valuable. They're just valuable in different ways. One is not right. One is not wrong. They just both are. A
1: hundred percent. And I think that you're going to see that in men's sports. Like men are going to make their money in different ways. They're mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to jump on a podcast and start to make their money. It's being... <laughs> As someone who is not being wealthy, oftentimes oftentimes is because of the diversity of your income. I read something that said millionaires typically have at least seven different form of income. So diversifying your income, which is what like Angel Reese has done. She has Mm -hmm. an incredible um, social media presence, Instagram, TikTok. She also, you know is on the court doing amazing things, has deals. She's now playing on the, um, I think like under 23 USA team, like she's diversified where her income opportunities are coming. And that's why her number is where it's at. And as Caitlin grows and continues to diversify also where her income is coming, that number is going to grow. The, the NFL players who make the most money are the ones with, the sponsorships, m- sponsorships and tv commercials and Why do you think Shaq tv is on shows every single solitary commercial you've ever seen he's sure. probably a bajillionaire he's got so much money because he's never seen a commercial that he didn't love <laughs> Yeah, it's true. He's diversifying his income sources. And that's what it takes to be higher on that list.
0: And it's just interesting, like anything with women's sports, it's like everything that gets presented is a is a lightning rod. Yeah. And for some reason, someone's always mad about why, you know, why this person gets this and this person doesn't get that this but Elisa, I think the way you the way you worded it is extremely important because there is value in both of those avenues. And I think as the sport grows, as the attention grows, those numbers are only going to continue to grow as well. Agreed.
1: Well, we got back on the rails. <laughs> it just took us about 40 Yeah. Minutes. Just took my husband leaving. <laughs> Get focused again. <laughs> Uh,
0: Arnold left <laughs> about halfway through the podcast for he those did. listening. He just You could probably tell exactly
1: where he walked out the door.
0: <laughs> you said he's going somewhere fun? Yeah. I don't want to say it on the pod. No, no, but... you don't have to say that yeah. on the pod, but you yeah. it was a you actually had to say goodbye to him. He's not just yeah. running to the grocery store. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're going to hush our mouths a second go get a drink of water and then um get back in touch with with Dean Spalding. And again, we want you guys all to listen. Dean Spalding has a cool announcement about something new the Ivy College of Business is offering in the fall. So stay tuned and enjoy the conversation with Dean Spalding. But in the meantime, go Cyclones. Go State. As we mentioned earlier in the pod, we are joined by David Spaulding, who Mm -hmm. is the Dean of the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State. Dean Spaulding also serves as the Interim Vice President for Economic Development and Industry Relations for Iowa State University. Before joining Iowa State in 2013, he served for eight years at Dartmouth College, New Hampshire, most recently as Senior Vice President and Senior Advisor to Dartmouth's President. No big deal, you guys. Before. entering higher education, Dean Spaulding had a 29-year career in finance in New York City. He earned his bachelor's degree from Dartmouth and his MBA from New York University. Dean Spaulding, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, Steph, thank you for this opportunity. Great to be here with you and Alisa, and we're big fans of your podcast.
0: Oh, thank you. You guys have been such um, consistent supporters of the pod, so we're very, we're very grateful for you and all that you do for us. I have to tell you, Dean Spaulding, I saw you at Size House of Trivia recently, and you were at the We Will Leadership Summit last week. And you're just making the the rounds. You're a popular guy these days.
2: You know, both very fun events, and uh, great to have a chance to support Cyclone Athletics. Right.
0: I told, uh, I told Chris Williams that he better not get us canceled because of his shenanigans at Size House of Trivia because you're on the Cyclone Fanatic team and we didn't want him to do or say anything that might ruin this sponsorship. So I'm glad to see he didn't.
2: He, he- I, I won't say he was completely on the straight and narrow, but uh, but he, d- he did no harm with the answers he provided. How's that?
0: <laughs> That's good enough for us. Well, you are here with some big news to share on behalf of Ivy. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about the big news for the fall?
2: Yeah. So we're taking a, we're taking a big step uh, towards uh, making our uh, highly ranked uh, MBA program, uh, more available, more accessible uh, to potential students. Uh, so, starting this fall, uh, we are going to offer a fully online version uh, of our part time MBA program. And, you know, I think what we've seen over the last uh, several years is there's uh, more demand from the uh, working professional. Uh, for a convenient program uh, that allows them to work within their very busy time schedules. Uh, They've got a job, uh, they may have major responsibilities at home, raising a family, uh, and they wanna make sure that this opportunity for career advancement fits within that schedule uh, enables and enables them to, to uh, meet all the other very important commitments that they have. And coming to class two nights a week uh, for three hours uh, each of those nights uh, is just a little bit of a challenge for some and a, and a barrier to entry.
1: So what kind of a time commitment are we talking about for this kind of program for those people who are maybe working, have kids, have other responsibilities? How much, how much time would you say um, are they looking at?
2: Yeah, so so this program really is going to be offered on a – uh, what we like to call an asynchronous basis, which means it's not really going to be offered with a series of Zoom casts where the entire class jumps on a Zoom uh, and the faculty member lectures to them. Uh, instead, there's going to be recorded content from the uh, faculty member. Students can watch that on their own time. So four hours in the in the, cl- in the uh, classroom for a three credit course, and so uh, for these students, uh, you know, they're going to be able to to do this on. Uh, on their own uh, own time. And uh, they're going to be able to take that amount of time, but space it out during the work week uh, as they feel, uh, feel best suits their needs. And if that means cramming it all in on a weekend night, uh, they're yeah. able to do that. And if that means spreading it over the seven days, they can do that as well.
0: And Dean Spaulding, you said something at the We Will Leadership Summit that I thought was really interesting um, in tandem with this news. You said during COVID, Mm -hmm. when everyone went home and all of the classes were online for a little while, that the feedback you received from students Mm -hmm. was that, you know, we want to be in person as as young, traditional, quote unquote, traditional students, but the instruction that we received online was great instruction. So was that kind of a moment where you thought to yourself, you know, I think we can take what we learned from this, this online learning and pivot it to something that makes more sense for working professionals?
2: You know, it, it really was. Um, I'd had a concern about offering an online uh, MBA degree; uh, just not the same experience for the students. Can we really adequately get the knowledge uh, across the students? Uh, but. You know, essentially we had to take 100% of our faculty, not just those who we thought would be particularly good doing this online, but 100% of them uh, for the last half of that spring semester of 2020, uh, take that all online and uh, they really did do a great job. Uh, and uh, we certainly did uh, work with them, providing them uh, coaching and training materials, which they uh, really uh, very much embraced. Uh, to make sure they were doing it well Uh, but we we were really pleased with the results of the survey what that told us and that that led us to expand our thinking about what we could in fact do uh, fully online in terms of our programs
0: and so registration for the fully online program starts in the fall. It's registrations open for the program that starts in the fall, I should say.
2: Yes, it's it's open right now, continuing through the end of June. Uh, and if an application comes in late in July, we'll, we'll probably find a way to get that processed as well. So we, we tend to turn these applications around pretty quickly uh, for our master's degree programs.
0: And I'd be willing to bet that a lot of our listeners are young professionals themselves or maybe even have children and are considering something like this or at a point in their career where they want to take the next step forward. So what's your biggest piece of advice with someone who's on the fence with whether to take this step and and pursue something with IV?
2: Yeah, I I think in terms of thinking about it with Ivy, we have a program that's the number 25 ranked uh, public university full-time MBA program in the country, number 25. Uh, We are up there in the top uh, 8 to 10 percent among all full-time MBA programs in the country. So uh, the same outstanding faculty who teach in that full-time program uh, also are the ones who are teaching in this online program. So uh, the students in this program have the chance to Uh, learn from internationally known faculty who teach in a highly ranked program, who are going to bring that knowledge and that experience uh, to offering a great product in this program. And I think that's why uh, Ivy is, is the right choice for uh, for young professionals thinking about this.
1: So we saw Jalen Hurts got his master's degree while he was a, a fantastic quarterback of the NFL. Have you considered reaching out to Brock Purdy <laughs> to see if he would be interested in a master's? I'm just thinking, just a bit firing here. There's some really think? good marketing
2: opportunities uh, here. Do you uh, think? I, I, I like that. You know, I like that. And even now while he's in rehab, you know, he can yep. do the online program yep. very easily. You mm-hmm. know, he install it on his computer I think uh,
1: we're on to something.
2: Yeah, the, the earbuds in to listen to the listen to the lecture. So mm-hmm. a perfect idea.
0: That's excellent, Alisa. <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you spoke up about that. That's good. Yeah. Dean Spalding, what's the summer like at the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State? I know you have classes mm-hmm. throughout the summer, but is it quieter or is it pretty much all hands on deck, full steam ahead all year round?
2: Yeah, so uh, so it is uh, it is somewhat quieter, but during the month of June we have orientation. Uh, And with orientation, we've got over a a thousand uh, freshmen and transfer students who are coming for orientation throughout the month of June. Uh, We'll have good crowds in the building, which is always great uh, throughout the uh, throughout the month of June. Uh, Otherwise, it can be kind of quiet. And and I have to say, you know, for me, the first uh, four or five days after the semester is over, it's kind of a relief and they're gone and it's quieter. And that's great. Uh, But you get to the point pretty quickly where you miss them. Uh, And uh, the reason we're all in higher education, frankly, is because uh, we really enjoy that engagement with the students. And so uh, not having them here uh, makes it just a little bit too quiet.
0: (laughs) Totally understood, especially after COVID. And you know what it's like to not have them there.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. And, And, you know, with the summer, you mentioned classes. So almost all of our summer classes are actually offered online now. Uh, This is something we discovered uh, back before COVID. Uh, In the summer of 2019, we we launched a a marketing program for our summer courses called uh, Learn While You Earn, uh, and it encouraged students uh, to take that same approach as a working professional. So uh, you're working uh, an internship, uh, or you may have just a summer job uh, that's not of internship quality. Uh, Why not pick up another three or six credits during the summer? Uh, Do it uh, online. uh, Do it at your own convenience. Uh, And we found that that really resonated uh, with students and uh, led to a a nice bump in our summer enrollment. And We've managed to maintain that since then. Mm
0: -hmm. And you mentioned, too, that the, the professors that are in the classrooms, those highly renowned internationally known professors are the same ones who are doing these online courses as well.
2: They, they are. They are. So we, we don't have a separate faculty teaching our online programs, which some uh, yes. universities do uh, that have very large programs. They, they are hiring uh, people who who don't fit that mold. But for us, uh, they're all faculty who are based in, here in our building, uh, who are doing uh, leading edge uh, research in their fields uh, and bringing that uh, cutting edge knowledge of what's going on in their fields back into the classroom.
1: With, the, with this program, I feel like there is an opportunity to scale and, you know, could have infinite number of people in these classes. What kind of access do the students have to the, the faculty that are teaching it? Is it still going to be something where they can reach out if they have questions and they'll get an answer?
2: It's really a great point. So in our program, we actually limit the section sizes to the same size we have in a physical classroom here in the building. I love that. Uh, because yeah. We, we want to make sure that the students are able to get responses quickly from the faculty members. Uh, And uh, so we haven't set up a model uh, that some other universities, uh, University of Illinois, for example, which has a a low-cost MBA program, uh, but their classes are 350 to 500 uh, in an MBA class. And I I just don't see that as something that's really workable. Mm -hmm. Uh, We still want our students in this online program to be doing team projects. So again, if you set a section size of 50 or 60 students, uh, you can easily break them down into teams, uh, have them interact. To, uh, together through a variety of platforms uh, to uh, do the work they need to do as a team, still make do team projects, team presentations. Uh, and we think that's an important element of all of this.
1: It sounds so cheesy, but I, all I can hear in the back of my head is that this is like another opportunity for people to choose their adventure. (laughs) Don't you think so? Yeah. It's like a, it's a late blooming opportunity to choose their adventure. Yeah. Something that works with your schedule. I like it.
0: Dean Spaulding, (laughs) we, we talk a lot about the Ivy Twitter feed how much we love it. Do you run that account or is it a... <laughs> If if you don't want to tell us, it's okay. <laughs> He's not saying yes or no.
2: You know, we we under we understand the power of social media. Yes. So we have that in a pair of very capable hands. Yeah. Well, it's a great
0: um, Twitter follow. We say it all the time, but Not only is there information just about the school itself, but there's information about alumni happenings in the university. So if you haven't checked out Dean Spalding's Twitter feed, I mean the Ivy Twitter feed, (laughs) you should check it out.
1: (laughs) It's Dean Spalding's burner account.
0: (laughs) That's right. Well, Dean Spalding, is there anything else you want to, you know, tout about the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State before we let you go?
2: Yeah, you know, we, we continue to have exciting new programs that we're launching here, and the, the online MBA program is certainly one of them. Uh, but we also, in the last year, launched an online uh, Master of Healthcare Analytics and Operations, mm-hmm. uh, really looking to offer people in the, in the healthcare field uh, the opportunity to deepen their knowledge of data analytics. Uh, as, you, as I talk to uh, healthcare leaders throughout our state, Uh, They talk about the need for more talent to help them analyze the data that they're collecting, uh, provide better outcomes for patients, provide more efficient uh, operations. Uh, And so, this is an exciting degree. It's been very well received by healthcare leaders across the state, Uh, also offered fully online, also offered uh, so that people can do the degree uh, at their own convenience. And you know, we find with these degrees, that part-time MBA, this part-time master of healthcare analytics and operations, uh, the graduates of those programs do open wider opportunities for themselves. Their adventure, their opportunity for adventure <laughs> doesn't matter, uh, because there are places who highly value those degrees are looking for people specifically with those degrees. Uh, and those additional opportunities, that additional opportunity uh, uh, opportunity to get on a, uh, a better compensation path, uh, mm-hmm. I think you get a pretty good payback uh, on an MBA degree uh, that you, you complete. And so again, allowing working professionals uh, to, to do this on their own time uh, really is a great benefit for them uh, in the long run.
0: Excellent. Well, like I said earlier, we appreciate your sponsorship of the podcast so much. And it's something we really believe in. And every week when we get to say thanks to Ivy, we mean it genuinely. So so much, um, we're so appreciative of your time and all that you do for the university and community, and we're glad we got to chat with you finally.
2: <laughs> well, thanks. No, this is great. I appreciate you having me on and, uh, you know, supporting uh, two talented ladies uh, in a podcast with this, uh, <laughs> this audience. This topic is is a perfect fit for us, uh, given everything we do to support and advance women in business here at the yes. Ivy College of Business. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Dean Spalding. It was a pleasure.
2: Great, thank you.